You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to everybody's favorite Japanese dating simulation, <laughs> otherwise known as episode 197 of the Comic Book Informer. I'm Vince, along with Beardy Kuhn. How are you doing? You have to explain it. Nobody's going to have a nope. clue what you're talking about. Nope. All right, fine. <laughs> I'm doing all right, apparently. <laughs> I'll have to put this in the show notes, at least. <laughs> we can't let them wonder what the hell is wrong with you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've been wondering that for 196 yeah. episodes. <laughs> Go on. Anyway, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was up late. I, I couldn't sleep. I was flipping around the channels. And apparently for the holidays or maybe they just decided to do it uh, on Adult Swim. They had preempted their standard Saturday night programming. We're actually airing some classic anime movies. So I decided to watch Akira. Hadn't seen it in a couple years. And even though it was edited for TV and dubbed in English and had commercial breaks, well, not a whole hell of a lot else on at three o'clock in the morning. So yeah, so I spent a couple hours doing before I finally fell asleep. And I realized there is a big hole in my experience in that I've actually never read the manga associated with it. So I figured I've got a show where we specialize in that sort of stuff. So we might as well read the first volume of the Akira manga. Have you uh, seen the movie at least, Raj? You know what? The, I saw the movie years and years ago. It was a long, long time. I'd have to watch it again to remember it all, obviously. Um, but like you, I actually hadn't read the manga. So this was brand new to me to read. So it was it was fun. Mm -hmm. And while preparing for the show, like I actually learned a lot of interesting things about the manga itself. Uh, written by written and drawn by Katsuhiro Otomo, it was originally published starting in 1982 and running through 1990 in Young Magazine, uh, collected in paperback uh, editions by Kodansha Publishing, and it was originally published in America by Marvel. Under their epic imprint, it ran from 1988 to 1995, uh, spread over the course of 38 issues. Marvel realized or decided or whatever that they didn't want to publish a black and white comic for whatever reason. So they approached Otomo and Otomo gave, uh, gave them the name of this guy, Steve Olaf who he handpicked to do the coloring for Marvel's edition of Akira. And Olaf decided that it talked Marvel into doing computerized coloring instead of back then it was still traditional ink coloring. So Akira actually has the distinction of being the first ever ongoing comic book in American history that had computerized coloring, That's essentially cool. taking the entire industry a giant leap forward. That's very cool, actually. I didn't know that. Yeah, neither did I. Uh, later on, it was 
collected by Dark Horse after Marvel uh, lost the rights. Dark Horse put it out in the more traditional manga digest size. And it's currently available through Kodansha USA, which is a subsidiary of Random House Publishing. The movie itself came out in 1988. So it's probably when you saw it, Roger. Yeah, it would have been. Wow. (laughs) I I was definitely farther into the 90s before I saw it. Uh, Pretty sure this would have messed up seven-year-old Vince. (laughs) Yeah, this was one of the ones that I remember. I I had a really good buddy at the time. We're still close, but he, of course, lives back where where we both used to live. And uh, we used to get together all the time with a case of beer or whatever else, a bottle of Sambuca, and watch movies and a lot of the fantastic movies. And I was I was really fortunate because often, you know, a high school buddy, and, and we'd actually been friends throughout grade school and, and high school, often, you know, a high school buddy, they're not going to necessarily have the same taste as you in movies. They just want to watch stupid comedies or stuff like that. And I kind of liked experimenting and watching, whether it be, anime or some British humor or different things like that. And he was all for it. So, and he would come up with things that I'd never heard about. So we really watched a lot of stuff that, you know, none of our other friends had even heard of. And I do remember watching this Of course. We'd had quite a bit to drink (laughs) before we watched it. So I, like I said, I'd have to watch it again to remember everything. Mm -hmm. So for those unfamiliar with the story, it takes place in the year 2019 in Neo-Tokyo. As they explain, back in 1982, there's what's assumed to be a nuclear explosion that completely obliterates the entire city of Tokyo and kicks off World War III. So when we pick up in 2019, Tokyo has been rebuilt and Japan is recovering from the war, which... It's pretty much where so many stories out of Japan start recovering from one war or another. But it's interesting in that it takes that same story concept we've seen so many other times and just plunks it 50 years into the future from the last time where it happened. And it's a really interesting story about just society. And we follow along. Our our main character is Kaneda, the leader of this biker gang. And... I actually have a different view of this now, knowing more than I do. Because I remember when I first watched the anime, I was like, man, what the hell is wrong with this school? It's just, is this just how they see schools in the future? And then I remembered that backup story in Wayward where he was discussing the different types of schools. Yeah. And no, that's actually a fairly standard interpretation of a trade school. <laughs> Because it's not something we typically see too much. It's always the nicer schools that we see in a lot of anime and video games. So remembering what I learned about how trade schools are in a lot of ways juvenile delinquency centers almost. And now applying that knowledge to Akira. I, it's just a cool little coincidence that I, I'm looking at this from a different point of view now. I do that now with any anime or, or, or manga I read, but especially anime when I'm seeing the, um, you know, a lot of them take place in that school setting. And I clue into that now. And I'm so freaking happy that we read Wayward because it, it helps now understand just how different the school system is there than what we're used to here. And not just different, but the layers uh, of differences based on the the students that are, whether they're driven to succeed or not and things like that. 
And yet at the same time, this being a futuristic sci-fi story, it still ties into a lot of those familiar themes of rebelling against society. And this is their way of expressing their individuality, although they take it a little farther than most youths do. Until one night as they're out cruising, uh, they come across this creepy little kid in the middle of the road. Uh, we come to find out he is Takashi, otherwise known as number 26, an experiment subject who, with the powers of his mind, blows up the motorcycle of one of Kaneda's gang members, Tetsuo. And this whole sparks off this entire plot of fighting out this government conspiracy of these super psychically powered beings that are being used. And they're also tying in not just you know the crazy sci-fi, but a lot of really interesting political elements of maintaining the budget and trying to build this Olympic site for the upcoming Olympics to hide you know, what the government is doing down there. Like, there's a lot of interesting layers that while present in the anime are obviously much more expanded here because you have, you know, I remember you were yelling at me because it was over 300 pages, but you have to keep in mind a 300 page manga is standard and it's a fairly brief read just because of the way they're paced and the way the story is told. But still you spread out those six volumes. You definitely have more than two hours worth of story. So for me, someone who's a huge fan of the movie, and like I said, I watch it every couple of years whenever you know the mood strikes me or whenever I see it around somewhere. So it, it's cool to see the expanded version of the story that really dives a little farther into you know the political and the the revolution that Canada eventually becomes a part of. You know what's funny is that I was joking with you about that, and yet then when I was reading it, I was I was thinking that I would have liked to have seen some things spread out a little bit more and mm-hmm. that's typical of that type of story plus you have to factor in the translation isn't always going to make sense kind of thing but it it is like there were segments where i was going oh, i wish that would have you know spread out over x amount more pages so that we could get that much more character development out of it because some of it felt rushed but again that's just storytelling and keep keeping the pace going and whatnot well, and also the the manga story takes place over the course of assorted weeks and months. So a lot of things it'll circle back around to and continue developing and seeing it from you know a new set of eyes as the characters become more experienced with what's going on. Yeah. I really enjoyed reading this because this is like we talked about with Lone Wolf and Cub, which was being published right around the same time, correct? Uh, and Lone Wolf would Maybe a before. little earlier? Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. But – just the storytelling difference from what we're used to and how it's so much more visual. Like there's on average three to four panels per page. So it's very large, very striking artwork. The dialogue is there, but it's never the focus. Like as we've seen with manga, like between Lone Wolf and Cub and here, it's much more visual. And just looking at the actual quality of the art and comparing it to what was coming out of America at the same time. It's, it's not even a comparison. Like as as much as we love those old X-Men comics, they don't look anything like this. Not even close. And it's even more impressive when you realize it's just all black and white. Like there's no color. There's the first few pages in each volume have, you know, nice colored artwork just to make them stand out. But the artwork is fantastic, but like I said, the pacing is what really makes this special. It's it's got that flow to it of I don't know, it just 
it's really impressive to see the visual storytelling differences between the two cultures. It is. And again, the more that we read about it, the more we're getting used to it. And what I like is that, I mean, you mentioned the, the black and white and how visually striking it is. It's one of those things where in much the same way as whether it is a black and white film, an old film, or like there's a reason why black and white photography is still decades later as popular as it is now. And that's because the the manner in which the human mind sees it and then interprets its own colors over top or whatever it stimulates the imagination to your mind differently than a color picture which it's all there for you you don't have to do that and it allows a depth of clarity for the expressions on the characters faces the settings everything else and i mean there's a there's a reason why i like this as well and in many cases preferred which isn't to say that you know, color isn't important in comics. It obviously is. And when done well, as we talked about not that long ago, makes a huge difference in how the story comes out. But we need to see more of this as well. I would love to see uh, an X-Men title that was strictly black and white. Or, you know, like the old Spider-Man ones. Like we saw that for a little bit there. I can't remember which. Was that the Spider-Man Noir that was like that for a bit? I'm trying to remember. No, now. It, it it was desaturated, but it yeah. wasn't. Black I thought and white. there was another one though that was. But you know, I would love to see that for just one IP, even just to have a, a regular ongoing series that was just black and white. It would be a lot of fun. Well, I know. I think it's the big essential volumes that you can get at like Barnes and Noble and whatnot. They're actually published in black and white because this is just this gigantic volume. And I don't know if they it was a stylistic decision or just to save on money, they're actually published in black and white. Right. And like the old X-Men and old Fantastic Four stuff. I don't know if it's just the colored version that's been converted to grayscale or if it's the inks before the color has been added. It might be something interesting to look into. Yeah. Because that's exactly what you're looking for, basically. Well, yes and no. An artist will draw something oh, differently yeah, if it yeah. is definitely only going to be black and white. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. But when we're talking about you know, the visual flow and the action, like there's just so many of these iconic shots uh, that we have, especially near the end. Once you know, Tetsuo has basically come into his own power, but it's such a discomfort for him that he's just taking mountains, literal mountains of drugs. He takes over uh, one of the rival biker gangs, the clowns and Kaneda gets all the other gangs together. So you have this extended action sequence of motorcycles racing down the highway, crashing, flipping, beating the hell out of each other, explosions, you know, climaxing with this huge battle at the end inside a warehouse with forklifts. It's absolutely insane. And it's so impressive with it's never cluttered. It's always easy to follow. We see that so many times in action scenes. It's just like the action in a lot of comics is implied. It's like, okay, here's a guy throwing a punch, leaves the viewer to fill in a lot. That's why that, that one issue of Moon Knight was so special because it had the flow to the action. It wasn't just a couple of panels showing yeah. a fight. No, it, it was showing the, the actual fight instead of implying it. And that's what we get a lot of here, that the action is translated so much better on the page than what we're used to from just about anywhere else. The, the most important thing is, like you mentioned, is 
are those bike runs, the bike races, which are iconic to Akira. And it is, you get a ton of them in here because they're a young biker gang, essentially. But you have the futuristic bikes in it. And the bike is important to the main character. And he brings it up often when he has to leave it and they're, they're down in the sewers. By then, we've seen a number of the bike races and we know there's more to come. So when he is very concerned about the bike and may, wants to make sure that it's all right and all that, you actually believe it and, and, and are a little bit more drawn into it because of that. Because you've seen these spectacular bike races and, and the, the fights while they're on the bikes and everything. So whereas like the the, the gunfights and everything were all spectacularly well done those bike races oh my god beautiful work and that's why 30 years later the bike is probably the most iconic thing people remember about akira like you put a picture of kaneda and tetsuo there people are like oh it's an anime guy like you have to be a really big fan to definitely pick out that specific character because unless they're you know Tetsuo has his you know, flowing cape or Kaneda is wearing his you know, very iconic biker jacket. The character designs aren't that different from you know, just a standard character. Yeah. But everybody who has even like glimpsed the comic or the, the movie instantly recognizes that bicycle, that motorcycle, because that that is the iconic presence in this comic. That motorcycle is a character all its own. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was just pretty cool to take a look at something different. We, we're always talking about, like, man, I would like to have an episode that's something outside of the norm. And, because God, there's not a whole hell of else a lot to talk about going on in comics right now. So I was fishing pretty deep, and I had that late-night dream vision of an episode finally came to me. So I, I just thought it was cool to take a look at something different. Any parting was, thoughts? It, no, it was a good choice. It was, and it, it makes me want to pick up the rest of them and read them because I, I would like to dive into them further. Yeah, it's I, I I've actually picked up the second one <laughs> since yeah. <laughs> and yeah, my my collection of these is growing because it, it's something that I kind of have to have. And it's it like I said, it's a hole that's been missing <laughs> from my experience both as a comic reader and as an anime fan. Yeah, definitely. All right, jumping into what we're reading I've been mentioning this for several weeks, so now is finally my chance to talk about a lot of the Valiant stuff I've been reading. I've mentioned a lot of the Valiant comics here and there because I've read a lot of them like, okay, let me read this issue. Let me see what this big deal is. And it really hasn't worked. But like I said, a few months ago, they had a Humble Bundle where I just got stacks upon stacks of these things, like the first couple volumes of pretty much everything they published. So I was really able to sit down and read a large chunk of them. And in some ways, my experience has changed being able to read more than isolated issues. I'll start off with the more negative ones. Uh, still not feeling Exo Manowar, the uh, ancient Visigoth warrior who's been given this alien powered sci fi suit because I don't know, it's just very, he's a very one dimensional character. I, I just have trouble getting into him. And one thing just bugs the living hell out of me. He's kidnapped from Earth, gets the, you know, fights the aliens, gets the suit, comes back, and 1,600 years have passed. And at no point is ex- explained how the hell 1,600 years have passed. That is a major 
plot point to the story that he's now displaced in time, that his people are gone, dead, and buried. And it's never mentioned. Like, was he a prisoner for 1,600 years and aged normally? Did he not notice that amount of time has passed? I was thinking they were doing like, like a space, hyperspace jump sort of thing that – yes. Weird sci-fi stuff because, okay, 1,600 years has passed while they were traveling across the universe. But then the same ship makes a trip to Earth in two days to get their armor back. It's, it's just a huge plot hole for me that I was really never able to get over as I continued to read it. Plus, like I said, overall not terribly interesting. That's a – yeah, no, I agree. That mm-hmm. would be Because if he did in fact live that long, that will screw up a person. <laughs> living that long like you're it's it's one of those things where you see it in different shows and all that but if you're not an actual god or something that's too long to lose too many people in your life kind of thing it's going to change who a person is at that point unless when you're reading him he does come off as you know fairly weird or whatever kind of thing but otherwise yeah that would bug me too mm-hmm. the next up is bloodshot which initially I absolutely hated just because a lot of these Valiant properties, well, all of these Valiant properties really up until uh, I think Dr. Mirage was the first new thing they've published are old 90s properties who are being reimagined for a modern audience. And Bloodshot is just the most 90s thing ever. It's Wolverine crossed with Cable as written by Rob Liefeld. You know, he's this super soldier, unbeatable killing machine who's immortal because the nanomachines heal his body. So it's it's just the 90s, the comic is what a lot of it boiled down to when I, I read a couple issues here and there. And yeah, that's still what's going on. But being able, again, to read it in a larger chunk, I wish they had reinvented him a little more. I don't know too much about the original version of it, but it's – such a Wolverine knockoff where he's had his memories messed with. He's had artificial memories implanted so that the controlling organization is able to keep him in line and and keep him motivated. But having read a chunk of the issues, like the first 10, I think, and seeing the story develop, Bloodshot still sucks, (laughs) but they've really done a lot of good work with the supporting cast to at least make the larger story interesting. It's one of those where I probably won't continue to read it because the primary character is of no interest to me. But the larger story around him with the organization and the people that help him along the way and how he interacts, especially with children, like it's a big soft spot for him because that's was so important in the artificial memories. It, it's interesting, but still not quite working for me right. because like I said, it's just so 90s. On the other hand, I was actually really impressed by Harbinger. The uh, point of Harbinger is the uh, Harada Corporation, this huge – basically Tony Stark for the Valiant Universe, if you will. He's uh, got – and tying in with Akira, he's got these incredible psychic abilities. And that he, he's basically a god, if you will, and he uses that to bring his company to the most profitable company in the world and all that – and the main character, the protagonist, is the, basically this kid from Pennsylvania who has similar powers but none of the control. He, again, tying in with Akira, we see him downing all these drugs just to you know keep stable, keep the voices out of his head. 
And it's basically him and another and a group of rejects, losers fighting back against Harada. And it's the story concept is very familiar. And it's one of those stories that issue to issue, not that impressive, but reading them as a chunk and seeing the characters develop has been really it's it's pretty darn good. Like I have to say it. It's difficult because they said there's a lot of story tropes that we've seen, but and I, I can't I honestly can't recommend people to read this month to month because it only works in a collection, at least for me. But a lot of the supporting cast is very interesting. Uh, one of the other characters, Torque, he's this teenage kid or early 20s something but he's paralyzed from the waist down so he lives his entire life in bed you know wasting away his mom hated him his brother hates him so he retreats into this fantasy world that he's created which is basically the movie heavy metal (laughs) and it's fun where he's this larger than life character and then when his abilities manifest he's actually able to turn into that character he's created and it's he's a cool character you know seeing this guy interact with the west, rest of the world where he's a complete douchebag because that's what he thinks a man is supposed to be. Like, there's a lot of cool character development there. And I absolutely loved Faith. We uh, mentioned her a few weeks back because she had a one-shot come out fo- focusing on her. Faith was, at the beginning, I was so worried about this character because she's very overweight and initially it looked like they were playing on a lot of tropes that you see with that character type. And I was really worried that it was going to be offensive and just like really off-putting. But the character she grew into was absolutely the heart and the soul of that team, especially once they started delving into her backstory, how her parents died when she was very young. And her grandmother you know, told her, you know, everything that your parents loved is still here and opens up this giant closet full of long boxes of comic books. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, if you enjoy the things your parents enjoy, you know, they'll still be with you. You know, like, you know, they'll, they'll never leave. And then, you know, it shows her years later when her grandmother dies. So basically she's retreated into this super nerd lifestyle. Like she's always quoting Firefly, <laughs> talking about what would Joss Whedon do. It's basically you if you were a teenage girl, Roger. <laughs> but at the same time, all those lessons she learned from you know, Captain Mal and Spider-Man and what have you really influences her to be this better person. So she's the heart and soul of the team, you know, their conscience, the one that really drives a lot of the stuff forward. So a lot of the individual characters and how they develop really made this an interesting comic. And it's definitely one I would recommend. But as I said, in chunks, issue to issue, it it was a little difficult because the plot advances at odd paces. But when you read it six to 12 issues at a time, I actually found it to be pretty enjoyable. We need to cite this. What would Mal do if it doesn't already exist? That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I figured I would talk enough about that. So I'll hand it over to you from there. Okay. Uh, latest um, wayward came out number five. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, of course you read it. Indeed. I did what I said I was going to do. I read the essays at the back first. 
Ah. And then I read the story, and it is better to do it that way. <laughs> so once so again, you're folks, publishing it backwards. You are. Um, for anybody who is picking up this series now, make sure to go to the very back and read the essays. This one actually had a couple of essays, which de- dealt both of them with the the, the creatures, these demonish demon creature things. And I can't remember the exact name of them there, but uh, and the main guy who's in charge which is our old friend here in the straw hat that's been around a few issues and then i I read the issue itself and yeah i enjoyed it a lot more because of it but no this was good it's it's, man we talk about a jump though in her ability to work with these powers it's like holy crap and hell you went from somebody who's just following a, a a reddish light to now flying in the sky kind of deal with making all these the symbols and whatnot, which dude, the writing that panel with her floating around with all the, the streams in the writing that was gorgeous, man. <laughs> well, I looked at it cause it was, like you said, it was an upgrade in things we've seen from her before though. Like in this high pressure situation, you know, things suddenly clicked yeah. and she, she never knew how her powers worked. She was just kind of going along with it. So I, I can see that, you know, it clicks and she finally knows yeah. what she's oh, yeah, supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, it, it certainly wasn't something that I'd make a big deal about. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't just pulled out of the thin air. Yeah. And then I, I don't want to spoil anything, but holy crap. Crap hits the fan. Uh, that way, see, I don't have to find the bicycle horn. But yeah, it, it uh, things go really bad really fast. And, uh, and But it was well handled. I, I really enjoyed it. Not one of my favorite issues by any stretch, but I, I still did enjoy it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I love the... The features, like I said, that was cool. I checked out some of the new number ones from uh, from Image that came out. There was um, Rumble number one. Did you read that? No, I I don't think I actually read any of them. Like they just didn't mean look uh, like feature. they would appeal to me. Rumble was interesting. It was again, it's. It's something that we've seen often enough. And I mean, you can actually even compare it somewhat to Wayward, this person who just all of a sudden realizes that there are things that are unseen that don't make sense. And there's even a weapon that comes out, whereas her, it's she kind of has these abilities and things like that. So there's those similarities. I I dug the art style. I I really did. It was more cartoony than I normally would like, but yeah, I kind of liked it. The, I liked the characters. That was the big thing for me. I, and the manner in which it was written, it was, it was fun to read. So, (laughs) I mean, nothing that I'd say you have to go out and buy this kind of deal, but it it was, it was enjoyable. I, I liked it. At the very least, a good start. Yeah, yeah, and here's hoping that it gets significantly better, kind of thing. The uh, the next, are you reading at all the Hawkeye versus Deadpool? No. Okay, I'm still reading the damn thing. I know I need to. And this is no, what I said. Like it for me personally. Like I'll fall one issue behind, and then I'll just be like, ah, I'll never catch up. <laughs> it's you don't have to read it. Definitely. Although the first one was very enjoyable. I liked it a lot. But from that point on, it was like, yeah, I'm nowhere near as good. But still. But people keep posting panels of it on Tumblr. That's like, oh, the fuck. thing, though. You get some of these panels are like, oh, my God, this is hysterical. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just for that alone. And what was funny is that the first issue you had that the fun 
interactions between Deadpool and Hawkeye, and now it's the fun interactions between Deadpool and young female Hawkeye. So you're getting some, again, some some funny lines and good panels. So for that, it was it was worth it. <laughs> um, we didn't talk about Bitch Planet. I'm assuming we did you, not. I'm assuming you read it. I did. What did you think about it? I need a second issue to really solidify my my opinions. I appreciate that it's in absolutely no ways subtle about what it is and what it's doing. <laughs> I mean, the title alone, but definitely the way it's written and the subject matter, it's very in your face. I really enjoyed it, but I need to see where they're going and if it's it's going to need some subtlety at some point to to balance out. So I, I liked it. I'm going to read the second issue, but I haven't fully formed my opinions on it as a whole yet. I Again, I liked it, and I love the writing. I love how edgy the writing is and whatnot, and I really loved um, the writing at the end as well from one of the – I do – was she an advisor on it or how? I, yeah, something I can't like remember that. what it was. But uh, but I loved her writing on it too and explaining different things and whatnot about um, the characters, but also about the about feminism and where it is now and, and different things like that. It was fairly interesting. I enjoyed it a lot. But um, but the thing with the, the the story was that as a man reading it, it's not that it made me uncomfortable by any stretch of the imagination, but it's tackling something that already pisses me off to no end that mm-hmm. this is what our gender kind of does already. And which isn't to say that I have any grasp whatsoever of what women have to go through on a regular basis because of this kind of stupidity, nor is it saying that women shouldn't bring this up because it is upsetting to some men. Hell no. Bring it up. I'm always saying that. Bring it up because it's upsetting exactly. to some. Yeah, exactly. But as a man reading, I'm going, fuck, you know, damn it. Damn it! I am gonna have to so find close. my thing. So close, <laughs> but it is one of those where it's like, Christ! It, it pisses me off to no end that there's a certain amount of reality here, and so that's what made it not uncomfortable. But one of those that's like, um, not even difficult to read, just grates a little on a nerve. You know what I mean? It, it, it kind of cuts out the entertainment factor. Well, I don't even know be- that I'd go that far, but it is. Absolutely. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad people are going to read it. I'm going to continue to read it. I can't say enough good things about it. It's but just, again, yeah, I, it's hard to I don't put know certain if things into words. I continue to read it because as a statement, it's great. But at the same time, I need to know more of the story and the characters. So I'm hoping we're going to get more of that coming up. What did we get new in Spider-Verse that we did not talk about last time? I don't think we've gotten a whole lot, have we? I'm honestly, I don't know because I can't remember what I talked about last time. Did I talk about the ultimate? Yes, I talked about the ultimate stuff because there was the different color scheme and whatnot. Oh, uh, I'm still giving Superior Iron Man a shot just because it's Taylor. And that. So I know a lot of people who are loving it and really, really? enjoying his writing, so. Because I'm at a point where I'm thinking this might be the last one that I read, actually. Because, I mean, it was interesting with Murdoch being given his sight and the whole, you know, 
uh, Iron Man trying to use that against him by making him, for lack of a better term, addicted to it and needing to have it. The issue as a whole was really not... I, I mean, two, for me, was a little bit more enjoyable. But then this was like right back to one where it was like, now, now, <laughs> I, I really could care less now. It's just I look at the big picture and I have no interest in reading Tony Stark supervillain because I don't know yeah. where the avenue for redemption comes. You know, knowing what we know about the inversion. Have you read the last issue of Access yet? Yeah, it'd be. Oh God, so, yeah. so we know he's not going to get better. You know, he's not, he's still the evil version of himself. So like, it's just, I don't know where it could go to have a satisfying conclusion. And again, I don't want to read a comic that's just about a supposed hero being terrible in every conceivable way. Yeah. I, like I said, I really wasn't digging it at all. So, yeah. Um, also latest Cyclops, same kind of deal. That's mm-hmm. going downhill pretty fast for me, at least. I hope other people are enjoying it. I really am not at all. I, Maybe it would have worked better. It's just a miniseries instead of an ongoing. It, it was great up until they left the island. It's like <laughs> lost. Seriously. It's like it was so much fun. And it was great with the dynamics between father and son while they were on the island. I would have loved to have seen that last longer. The moment they were back in space was like, man. It was a nice run for a little while, but yeah, I have not been digging at it. And just to end <laughs> with with my least favorite for for the week that I read, did you? And no, I shouldn't even bother asking. <laughs> the, the new uh, the that new Thunderworld adventure thing from Morrison that he wrote for DC that is Shazam. so far out of my wheelhouse. Like I know what he's doing. I know people who are Morrison fans and DC fans are going nuts over multiversity. Oh my God, I read this. But we are not in that audience. No, I thought I'll give it a shot. And I do that a lot, obviously, with whether it's DC stuff or Marvel. I tend to pick up stuff and just give it a chance. Even though I know in my heart of hearts that this is going to be bad, I'll give it a shot. And Well, I say bad, bad for me. And... Wow. I read the first <laughs> I read the first couple of pages, put it down and away, and I didn't go back to it until <laughs> like a week later and then said, "Okay, let's try again." I read maybe a third. Not even ha- I don't think I hit the halfway mark and closed it and put it aside. I picked it up the next day. I read a little bit more. I didn't even finish it. I, I got to the point where it's like, nope, I am not the target audience here. This is horrible. <laughs> it was, I mean, it would have fit right in in the 50s, certainly. But I'm not that audience anymore that can read stuff that would fit in the 50s and think, oh, it's great. No. No, we've changed. We're not those people. This kind of narrative, this way of telling a story, everything, it was it, it was not good. I did not enjoy this at all. I think it was the one that came out before Thunderworld Adventures. I forget what it was called, but it was basically his version of The Watchmen. I heard it was really cool. Like it's a teardown of The Watchmen, which is weird because The Watchmen was a teardown of traditional comics. 
And I've heard he raises a few middle fingers in Alan Moore's direction because it's widely known Grant Morrison and Alan Moore don't get along. I, I want to read it for curiosity's sake, but I also don't want to read it because I can't help but think I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> if it's anything like this, you will be. I, I understand what Morrison does. I respect what he does. And I also <laughs> accept that it ain't for me. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for me. All right. Nothing to say about Axis? Oh, God. Do you really want to hear? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, then. <laughs> I'm not digging it. What a surprise. I, it, it, it made no sense that they'd be able to get all of these people back to this, the spot where they'd been when you're looking at the fact that these heroes who are now villains are really enjoying themselves and don't want to be changed back. All they have to do is not be in that space. You don't even need a fancy Iron Man shield, which, oh God, that was like, Christ (laughs) almighty. You don't even need that. Just don't be there. That simple. Go see a movie that afternoon. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the Avengers is still playing. Go, go watch it somewhere. And there you go. You get to stay a bad guy because it's like, it's a one shot deal. This is it. Everybody's got to be there. Recreate the setting, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, you know what? I've had enough of a hard time accepting any of this as a possible reality in any universe. And then you're telling me this and expecting that I'm just going to roll with it. It was, it was horrible. It was terrible. And then making Creed become the new Wolverine, essentially. <laughs> like, oh, come on. Seriously? Uh, and the talking Deadpool head and things like that. The Loki with the hammer was like, oh, why are you doing this? I This entire event has been... Oh, A versus X was better than this. That's saying a lot for me, okay? It was better than this. This is horrible, absolutely horrible. Let alone the fact that it's yet another excuse to pit them against each other. No, heroes versus villains, but also heroes versus heroes. And then just making a cluster bleep of the whole deal. And then making it so that some of them are staying good or bad afterwards as well. Just so that you can drag this on further. And then leave it into somebody else's hands to figure out some way to retcon them back to where they need to be. Because at some point, Iron Man's going to have to be good again. Well, if this was supposed to be the end, I'll be all only way to do this. How are they going to do it? Because he can't stay this jackass forever. Because that's just going to be annoying as all hell. I, uh, yeah, this was horrible. horrible. This was one of the biggest face plants we've seen from Marvel in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, even the stuff we haven't liked hasn't been this bad. Once again, I am curious what other people thought. Have other people been praising this or been equally disgusted? Because as we saw with A versus X, people liked it. And so I don't know if people are looking at this and thinking, this is great. Or if they're just kind of going, wow, 
there was a shark 30 miles back that you jumped. Let me know when you land because this is stupid. Yeah. I said, it's, it's, this was so bad. It's really negatively affected my enjoyment of a lot of stuff Marvel's putting out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Which is why we talked about Japanese comic from 30 <laughs> plus years ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. As for what, uh, God, I list. I messed up the show notes. As for our new releases this week for Marvel, we have chapter four of Spider-Verse in Amazing Spider-Man number 12. According to Dan Slott, this is the craziest issue yet. With plenty of Spider-Men we have not yet seen finally showing up. Cool. We have Angela Asgard's Assassin number two. Marvel is launching three new series this week, starting with Ant-Man number one. We have Hawkeye versus Deadpool number four, the final issue of that miniseries. Legendary Star-Lord number seven, Spider-Man 2099 number seven. The other two new comics, your favorite new comic, Roger, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number one. I'll read it. <laughs> and Wolverines number one. Oh, God damn it. Just when I thought I was done, they pulled me back in. And I know I don't even have to make you read it because you're going to read it anyway. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> and X-Men number 23, which is important because G. Willow Wilson, the writer for Miss Marvel, is taking over that comic now. Awesome. From DC, we have Action Comics number 38, Batman Eternal number 40, Detective Comics number 38, Justice League 3000 number 13, and Swamp Thing number 38. And there's not a whole lot going on outside of the big two this week. From Image, we have Deadly Class number 10, Nailbiter number 9, and Tech Jacket number 7. And the only other thing that really caught my eye is from Valiant, Eternal Warrior, Days of Steel number 3, the final issue in that miniseries. There's also the the premiere of Agent Carter is tonight, is it not? Absolutely. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. So if you're listening to this podcast, you missed it. (laughs) Or maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't. Well, if you did... We warned it wasn't you. because we said so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here and Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. Head on over to popcornronin.com. You remembered. I remembered. <laughs> I was uh, waiting. I was waiting. I was ready is, to Is that going to be out it. in time? <laughs> uh, I am going to try my best to have it out at the same time, yes. No okay. promises. But if not, it'll definitely be there within the next couple of days. We did a live commentary over Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's approximately two hours of us just sitting back talking about the movie as it's playing. Really interested to see uh, what you guys think of that because it's something we're not going to do regularly. But it is something we would like to go back to if people enjoy listening to it. It was so much fun. In addition... This week also marked the return of one of our old podcasts for the lore. It's a gaming podcast really focused on characters and story. Uh, We recorded our first episode in almost two and a half years last night. It was an experience. So uh, for the lore.com, I'm sure Roger will have that up uh, in the near future as well. So lots of, in my opinion, cool stuff from us to check out. So until then, see you guys later. 